0: This morning, as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses this subject called worry. And I think, uh, as I have a a graduating senior, what an appropriate way to talk about worry. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, one of my greatest worries in life is my kids. I think many of us resonate with that. We, We worry about our kids. We worry about their future. We worry, how are they going to survive this challenging world we live in? And as I thought about worry, um, it just resonates with everybody. You know, I I think most of us understand the struggle of worry. We really do. Who doesn't worry about something in life? If you think about the subject of worry, it's all across music and multiple generations. If you lived in the 70s, it's Bob Marley, right? Don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing is going to be all right. You know that song, right? Or in the 80s, don't worry, be happy. You know? We all know that song, right? See? You know what I'm talking about. I'll try not to, you know, sing the whole time. (laughs) That would be a terrible sermon. But in the 90s, there was this famous movie. And you don't know what movie this is, but I can just see the lion going, Hakuna, Matata, Hakuna, Matata. means no worries for the rest of your days a problem-free philosophy. There's, There's a reason why you all know those songs. It resonates with us because worry is the struggle of the human heart. We wrestle with worry so much. It's like a universal curse for us. And I and I asked this question over Facebook, I asked folks at work, I talked to a lot of folks like what do you worry about? And so I just I wrote a list, and it's not exhaustive, but but here's what we worry about we worry about our finances, we worry about our health, we worry about COVID, we worry about success, we worry about being being a failure. We worry about not mattering in the world. We worry about being worthless. We worry about being loved and somebody to love. We worry in our singleness. We worry about divorce. We worry about being alone. We worry about our kids, our parents, our families. We worry about the unknown. We worry about the future. We worry about our careers. We worry about our grades. We worry about being popular at school. We worry about how we look. Who cares about me? There's so many different things that we, lo- that we worry about. We even worry about in this Christian life we live, am I good enough? Am I Christian enough? Am I doing all this list of right things? We worry about that. We worry about this pressure to perform we worry about our value in the world. We worry about everything. We worry about being worried. We worry about something in the future that will never happen. It, it haunts us. It kills us. It robs us of real joy and purpose in life. It riddles us. It brings us down. It brings us low. It hurts and it steals the good things in life. And I don't know about you, but man, worry, worry has broken me down on so many levels that I am longing to be free from it. And so Jesus, Jesus comes in in this, in this Sermon on the Mount. And he gives us such a well-timed word of how to handle worry. And so if you would, would you turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Matthew's in the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And as we're kind of processing this Sermon on the Mount, this famous sermon of Jesus, he really is giving us a word of how we should live his kingdom today. And one of those ways that we can step into living the kingdom is living worry-free and living a life that handles the struggles and the troubles of this world. And so let's read together Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on, Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory, he was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, well, will I eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus was teaching the disciples... A simple truth, a necessary truth for the health of their souls. He is also teaching us that same truth this morning. For the health of our souls. And here's, here's kind of the main theme I want you to see he's teaching. It's kind of the, the big idea through this Sermon on the Mount. It's this. We would worry less if we were content with God in living for his kingdom. I'll repeat that. Here's the big idea this morning. We would worry less if we were content with God in living for his kingdom. That's the point Jesus is making. And I, I, you know, I I wish I could have this sermon today outside at the park. Because Jesus wasn't teaching the disciples in a room like this. With no windows, air conditioning, you can't see the trees, you can't see the birds, you can't see anything. We're just stuck in a room. In the Sermon on the Mount, here's I want you to imagine this with me. Jesus is teaching the disciples, and they're just trying to figure out how do I, how do I live this life? And Jesus is saying, I want you to stop worrying. And again, I could just see Jesus doing this. Stop worrying. And he, he points up to the trees as everybody can see the birds flowing back and forth, flying back and forth. He says, would you look at the birds? They're fine. They have what, what they need to eat. They don't worry. God, I, I, I provide for them. And so they're seeing the birds as he's talking, right? And then... As as he's speaking and teaching, he's looking down the mountain. And you can look down the mountain at the Mountain of Olives. And and you'll see there's flowers everywhere. And so he's saying, would you stop pointing to the flowers. Think about the flowers. Look how beautiful they are. They smell amazing. Solomon didn't look nearly as beautiful as they did. They don't work to be clothed, and they're fine. I provided for them. I want to invite you into the story that that Jesus is just saying, look around you. God is everywhere. He's in everything, and he provides. And you need to see that. But not only do you need to see that, you need to believe that. And so that's what I want to invite you all into this morning. Is how are you using all of your senses to trust God? Because He gave you eyes to see, ears to hear, fingers to feel, a nose to smell, a tongue to taste. In all those senses, where do you sense the presence of the living God? That's what Jesus is inviting us into this morning. And so, as He teaches this, here's the first thing He's saying. This is the first point he makes. In verses 25 through 29, he says this. Don't worry. Believe with your eyes. Believe with your mind. And believe with your heart. Right? I'm feeding the birds. Look at them. Look. Use these eyes God has given you and see how he provides. The animals teach us that God provides for our needs. And then he goes on, and he says this, right? If you look in this passage, he says, Are you not of more value than they? Which of you being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? You are valuable to God. You are a child of the King of kings and Lord of lords who's sovereign over all things. And you need to believe that. If you heard what the boys said up here, you know what I want in life? I want a sense. Did you hear that? It's so fascinating. I want a sense of belonging. What are you you boys saying? You know what you're saying? I don't want to be alone in this world. I want to have value. That's what you're saying. You want to feel value. You have value. God loves you more than you'll ever understand, and he's provided for you in so many ways. And you need to see that. That he's more important than anything in your life. That's the value you have. And let him speak to that. When you're struggling and you're alone and you're doubting your value and you feel like I'm not worth it, that's where the worry wheel goes. God says he loves you and he will provide for you and he will take care of you. That's where real value is found. Real significance. I'm a child of God. I will live for him. And one day, when all this stuff blows away, he's there. That is value. So use your eyes to see pictures of God everywhere. That's the point Jesus is making. And that's why it says earlier, remember Pastor Michael talked about this? That the eye, the eye is the lamp. Because oftentimes we just see darkness. Darkness. We look at the world, we see dark images. We get our social media, we get discouraged about all the darkness. We look at who's in control, the government. We watch the government, we get discouraged. Jesus is saying, take your eyes off of this world. You've got to see God in the big things and the small things. You have to see his fingers that step in and reach everywhere. See with eyes of faith. That's why it's pointing you to the birds. Second, he also says, think. So use your eyes, use your brain. What does it say? Consider, think about the flowers. Think about the flowers. What? I mean, that <laughs> if you're a psychologist, right, and you're trying to talk to somebody about worry, You just go up to them and say, Hey, think about the flowers. You'll be right. Right? It's more than that. It's the God who made the flowers. You have to see and think about God. And it's kind of neat what he says here, right? He says that these flowers are beautiful and they smell beautiful, but they don't work for it, they don't labor. They've neither neither they toil, or do they spin? Uh, and I thought about that word "spin." Why in the world did Jesus say "spin"? I got—I don't get that. And then I, then it made sense to me. It still happens today. We just don't see it. But in those days, how did you make fabric? You spin a wheel of what? Of wool to make what? Yarn and fabric. Spinning was working to make a fabric for clothes. And God's saying, look, the flowers, they're beautiful. They don't work for it. Why? Because God provides for them. He makes them grow, and they're amazing. But you know what we do? We work and we kill ourselves to death trying to look good, trying to be clothed, trying to make that next paycheck. We're always spinning the wheels. And our spinning the wheels, when we spin the wheels, man, we don't go anywhere. We spin the wheel of worry. That's what we do. Got to provide. Got to have the the next job. Got the next promotion. It just goes on and on and on, and we never stop. And Jesus is inviting us to say, hold on a second. Why are you working so hard? That hustle and bustle of life, it's getting you nowhere. We, we eat and we indulge ourselves with worry. We eat what's called the, the anxious bread of toil. I, I love what it says in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and then go late to bed to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. He gives to his beloved sleep. I mean, we get that, right? You're working so hard for your family. You're working so hard to to, to make ends meet. And there's this anxious toil that goes over you. It could be for your grandkids. It could be for career. You name it. What is that? If the Lord's not in it, and you don't acknowledge him, you will eat that bread of anxious toil over and over again. He's watching over you. He is watching over every single step in your life. You can give it to him. And not worry. He'll clothe you. He'll feed for you. He'll feed you. He'll care for you. But you gotta believe. That's why he ends this little phrase here, right? I wish I could see. I'm getting old. <laughs> um, see, we worry about getting old and not seeing. <laughs> uh, he says in verse 30, Oh you of little faith. Jesus knows the root of their anxiety is their lack of faith. And and I I just want to say this here. The sermon I'm giving you and and the points I'm giving you, this is for your spiritual life, okay? This is for your spiritual strength and outlook on life. I want to acknowledge today, I, I am not addressing the issue of anxiety and worry that is a medical condition, all right? Because our brain is an organ. And the chemicals of dopamine and endorphins help the brain to function correctly. I'm not addressing that today. And so if you are in a place where you cannot, I mean, you just worry about everything, and it seems like you've got no control and no power, and it riddles you and keeps you up at night, and your body's doing crazy stuff that you don't understand physically, you need Jesus, but you need a good doctor. You know why I can say that? I've lived it. I've been medicated for it, and thank God it helped me out. So I'm not addressing that medical side of this because the brain is an organ. Okay? But I'm addressing the the, the struggle of the heart. Because I I think the struggle of the heart in our spiritual lives completely connects to this other physical side. That's my own experience in life. And this morning, Jesus wants to step in and say, stop your lack of faith and believe me. i got to do some work in you so that you can believe me. You need to trust God. You need to believe that he is a good father. It's interesting. The bookends of this this verse here, the bookends of this in Matthew chapter 6, are the Lord's prayer, right? That's the beginning of chapter 6. And what's the phrase right before the Lord's prayer? Your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So that statement is before worry. And then in Matthew 7, on the back end of worry, in Matthew 7, says this. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Where your heavenly father give what is good to those who ask him? See the connection? Your heavenly father knows what you need. He'll give you what is good. You have to believe that your heavenly father is good. He'll provide and give you what you need. That is a precursor to overcoming worry. It's quintessential. And the struggle with worry. So Jesus is saying, believe that you have a good father. And if you have a good father, here's what happens when you really believe that God is a good father. You can cast your anxieties on him. If he's not good to you and you don't think he's good to you, you won't give over your struggles. First Peter 5, verse 8, right? Cast all your anxieties on him because what? He cares for you. That's got to be driven down deep in your bones, your spiritual bones, your heart. Did I believe that there's a God who made everything, who's all powerful, who also is with me and cares for me? And he's got me. And if he's got me, I can cast my anxieties on him. That idea of casting... It's like this, here's the way I see casting. It's like throwing something way out there, right? And here's what you and I have. We've got this huge load of trash and it's just weighing us down. So we can't function because the worry and anxiety of life is so great. And in the olden days, when when the guys didn't have the stuff, I mean, my trash guy, he takes a big machine, mechanical arm, and it dumps it for him. I'm like, dude, that's nice, because in my day, trash dude rolled up big trash bag, and what you see him do is like, I, I mean, I remember seeing those guys. Oh! That's what you got to do with your stuff, your crap, your worries, your anxieties. Give all that trash over. Throw it. All that you got. Because it's weighing you down and killing you. I know this. The dark night of the soul I have experienced. I am not preaching from some book today. This is my life. One of my greatest struggles. And man... I long for you to have freedom from it. That you would throw it. Because he, he's big enough. God is big enough to handle your great burdens. The big and the small and the in between. You got to trust him with that. And you got to believe him for that. And he'll take care of your worry. I'm not saying it'll end, but he'll give you grace with it. So some applications in this. Use all of your senses to taste, to touch, to see, to smell, and to hear God. I should have put this on the board. I didn't think about it, but write these down. I'm trying to be very practical here, okay? I'm trying to outwork how can you do this, right? So, one... Go out in nature and take a walk. Go see the birds and listen to the birds. Look at the flowers and smell the flowers. Uh, Christy was walking through our backyard and saying, I love our flowers, Dan, but they don't smell. I'm like, man, okay, I need you go get some flowers that we can smell. Because this is a beautiful thing. And be reminded that God is everywhere. He made it all. So go see him in nature. Two, have a Sabbath. Have a Sabbath, a day of rest, a day where you don't have to worry about your job and your responsibilities. And that takes discipline. But do it. Do it for your soul. That there be a day where you don't have the worries of life. Go to the spa. Go work out. Go golfing. Go have fun. Go do something that you just love to do. And stop worrying about it all. Go to your kids' athletic events, have fun, enjoy it. I repeat, exercise. I'm a personal trainer. My wife is a, is a gift, and um, in the in the winter months this year, in the in in, in January and February, people. We committed to walk our dog, and it was freezing outside. It's the first time we really have committed to walking together. And there's just something about exercise. It chemically uh, raises your endorphins and dopamine. It is clinically one of, the ways, one of the ways that's known to overcome stress and anxiety. Exercise. Go eat and have fun with people. Okay? Uh, the Brav- Proverbs 17, maybe? I don't know. It says, um, a merry heart is good medicine for the soul. Laughter, joy with people. Eat with people. Buy a dog. Get a pet. They're amazing. I love my dog. But she reminds me I, this morning as I work on this sermon I sat with her. I was petting her. I was just reminded of um, the good things that she's brought in our family. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I need to see God everywhere. So do you. Get a bird feeder. Plant some flowers. Put pictures of God's goodness all around you. You go down to my office. I've got pictures of my family. I've got pictures of events. Just everywhere for me to see God how he's provided for me? How does what you hear, your worship music, your songs, remind you of God's goodness? And finally, how do you hear the voice of God? The word of God is the voice of God. And you have to hear him. And if God's word means nothing to you, you won't see him. And you'll worry. And so, folks, you you have to see and hear from your heavenly Father. And the verse 30 through 32 it kind of moves on with this next point. And it's, it's that you need to be content with what your Father gives you. Be content with what your Father gives you. This is verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you little faith, Therefore, do not be anxious saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them all. Some of us have to learn the joy of contentment that I have food, I have shelter, I have clothing, and that's enough. I'm not trying to help us with worry in the sense of um, you'll have somebody come up to you and say, well, what are you worrying for? You've got it way better than this person. That's not a helpful perspective for someone who's discouraged and worrying. But I do want to give context because I do think perspective and context is helpful. And it's something that you don't don't understand. That's what I'm going to share with you. There are a billion people in the world today. There are a billion people in the world that do not have access to food, water, clothing, and shelter. Do you know that? A billion people. So when they would hear Jesus' words with this, it means something completely different. Than you and I. You're rich. You just don't know it. Jesus is saying. Be content with the small things. And not all your stuff. Because you're going to have the stuff. You're American. That's the reality. And you love stuff. And you're greedy. You don't know that. But you are. We never talk about greed. That's one of my greatest sins, I think. I need, I need, I need. No, I don't. Jesus is trying to say, wait a second. Be content with what the Father gives you. This is passage from 1 Timothy 6. And uh, hopefully you can put it up there for me, Matt, because I'm struggling to read. Here we go. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can't take anything out of the world. If we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. I'll repeat, but if I have food and I have clothing, I'm going to be content. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, to a snare, to many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The love of money, not money, not money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith, And pierce themselves with many pangs. That word pangs, what that means? Pain. Particularly, that word means mental distress. (laughs) Mental distress from the stuff we own. You think you own your stuff, no, you don't. Your stuff owns you. It runs your life. That's the reality, right? And Jesus is saying, hey, hey, I'm trying to move your heart to see that that your father loves you. He cares for you. You're of great value. You've got what you need. You could be content with that. He cares for you more than you ever can imagine. It's okay. You don't have to have the pressure to perform. You don't have the pressure to do. I I mean, pressure brings so much worry, doesn't it? Okay. This week is going to be awesome for me, personally. Just a little side story. Wednesday, Christy and I celebrate 20 years. Okay? That's awesome. Thursday, (laughs) right, you know? Thursday... My son graduates. Okay? Friday, my lovely wife has her birthday. Saturday, we're having a party at the house, and there are a ton of people coming. I've got family from all over the U.S. coming. These are, this is all awesome. So you think, dude, great week, right? Great week. <laughs> people... If you, <laughs> if you went home with me and my wife, y- you would, you'd see, oh, my gosh, there's so much to do. There's so much to do. And, and the worries of everything having to look perfect. And uh, hear me. It's, it's okay for you to, to have nice things. And I, I don't want to, like, say you can't have nice things and you can't um, have a great party. And, and So just hear me. I, I'm not saying you can't do that. But here's what I'm saying is is that oftentimes the stress to perform and look good overrides God's presence. Do you understand that? The pressure to perform and look good and, and be great and have everything perfect and my kids look perfect and my life looks perfect, I got everything together. You don't have to be perfect. You can be content. I'm a mess, but he loves me. I'm good with that, right? That's what Jesus is to move us into, right? To be content with him and not have so much pressure and anxiety and worry. And so do that, y'all. Practice gratitude. Be thankful. Be thankful for what you have. Why do you, why do you always have to think about what you don't have? Huh? I mean, this, this, this is why um, Philippians 4, the passage you know, it says it. Don't be anxious about anything, right? But in everything with what? Thanksgiving! Thanksgiving! It's amazing how Thanksgiving works against worry. So be content. Stop comparing yourself to others. Stop worrying about what other people think about you. I mean, my goodness, we worry about that. Enjoy your life. Enjoy what you have, the simple things. Appreciate them. Being content means being content in thinking about the word of God and not the world. You get your mind on God and his word and off the world, it's amazing how contentment begins to rise up in you. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you, right? I'm content with God. I'm at peace with him. My mind's on him. I trust him. Worry begins to move away. Get your eyes off your TV, your phone, your social media. This is is a joke in my house. HGTV. It is a blessing and it is a curse. Why are you... Guys are laughing, but you ladies, I'm hearing you more because you know what I'm talking about. HGTV says, look at what you don't have. Here's what you got to do to get it, right? That's what it does. All these reality shows that all of you watch, it's like the lives and times of rich and famous that you watch. Here's, Here's what it says, man. Look at me. I'm awesome, and you're not because you don't have what I have. We just hear that message so much, and it, it just kills contentment. It just does. And my final thing, help people who are needy. I really mean that. When you, um, when you go out of your little small little world, and you go, and you go help people who don't have as much or might have challenges in life that you don't have, it gives context. It helps you to see. helps you to be content with what God's given you. And he has to work in us, right? To grow and be content with what he has given us. If you're content, you'll worry less. And then finally, This famous verse we all know. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The final thing Jesus says is seek the kingdom of God. Put God first. Notice it says seek first the kingdom of God. So it's his kingdom first, my kingdom last. Are you seeking God? Are you searching for God like he's the treasure of this world? Are you, are you just searching and seeking the, the treasures of all the stuff you can get? Seek after God and seek his kingdom Isn't it really interesting, right? He he talks about worry, okay? He talks about worry and then addresses it with birds and flowers and then sandwiched in between worry is seek the kingdom of God and then what? Don't worry about your future. There's a reason why Jesus does that. You want to worry about now and you want to worry about your future. Well, look, people, if you'd start seeking me and my kingdom, you'd worry less about both. And so in seeking the kingdom, right, this little good works for God's glory. Seeking the kingdom means I am trying to seek the kingdom in loving people. That's why we're doing this summer of good works. That you'd step out of yourself and get your mind on people. You ever notice that when you are focused on other people, you worry less? You ever notice that? You're not focused on you, you're focused on others. And so, you all, you wanna worry less? Then step into what God's doing. I invite yourself to, to come alongside people in our church. And then let's show Christ to everyone. And when you're about that kind of business, that kingdom living, you will worry less.